and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is our 422nd show of ROI, and our guest for today is Dr. Ray Doswell, Vice President of Negro League's Baseball Museum, and we're going to be talking about the history of baseball's Negroes Leagues Revisited. The history buffs for today's show are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zapsapital. And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. This is the opening segment of our show, which we call Farouk Danarin, and today we're talking about the history of baseball's Negro Leagues Revisited with Dr. Ray Doswell, Vice President of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thanks for having me. Ray, you were on the show a long time ago, 12 years ago, in, back in 2009. So the first question, because we talked in that show about how difficult it was to get uh, information and things like that, that, that a lot of it was um, not particularly well documented um, in the time uh, because they were, you know, the heavy hand of, of segregation and oppression was there. So I guess my first question is, um, how has the history of, of the Negro Leaves changed over the last 12 years? What's new that has come along? Well, there are a number of diligent people, historians and enthusiasts, who have uh, taken advantage of the greater access we have through technology to get at data, and more importantly, information on games and news coverage. I mean, in 09, uh, not as prevalent as it is today, sites like Ancestry.com and Newspaper.com, although those were around then, uh, have become more of a resource for the baseball researcher. And what uh, the historians have been doing is really mining these papers for games and box scores. And part of the effort is to try to build up more of a statistical record on the Negro Leagues, which is, is, is lacking in many ways. But that history is evolving and growing, and that data is evolving and growing, and it also gives us more game accounts as well. What we have seen, though, is a, is a continued steady increase in interest in the topic uh, of Negro Leagues baseball on a number of different fronts, from general history to biographies and books to films, uh, as well as folks who want to do genealogy on their families. Uh, And I think in part that's due to the efforts of the museum trying to continue to make the history relevant and popular and of interest to folk. And then we were fortunate to have some things come to a bit of a confluence in terms of events and activities. Well, since 2009, um, you had uh, interesting things happen, like in 2013, the film 42, which, uh, although not about the Negro Leagues, focused on the life uh, of Jackie Robinson, or at least a very specific part of his life, his uh, transition from the Negro Leagues to minor league and major league baseball in his first season uh, played, uh, uh, I think, very well by Chadwick Bozeman, the the late Chadwick Bozeman, which is another one of the unfortunate things that happened uh, after his great portrayal there and in other roles 
Um, we lost him at a young age, but that drew great interest in the Negro Leagues, and we were fortunate, too, to actually have a red carpet premiere here at the museum. Well, not exactly at the museum, but in our city with him and his co-star Harrison Ford and some other stars of the film, and that was a great event, bringing lots of media attention. In addition, in between that and right before that, actually, was the 2012 All-Star Game with the Kansas City uh, Royals hosting that All-Star Game brought additional media attention to the history of the Negro Leagues. Our Kansas City Royals here in town, subsequently after that, in 2014 and 2015, uh, had some very successful seasons to... World Series appearances, uh, including a victory in 2015, uh, which brought additional media and great attention to our city, and the Baseball Museum played a very central role in that uh, uh, attention, and that uh, also strengthened our relationship with Major League Baseball, which has built, continued to build over the years, uh, all kind of culminating to last year, 2020 which would have marked the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Negro National League, uh, which was which happened in 1920 here in Kansas City. Uh, we were able to get part of a celebration of sorts and general attention off the ground in 2020 uh, before the pandemic shut everything down. But we continued with uh, a momentum of interest and social media and other things that kept interest extremely high in the history of the Negro Leagues. Uh, on the flip side, yet related, was the social unrest that was happening in our country. And many were asked uh, to try to bring some level of authoritative commentary on that. And from the lens of sports, the museum stepped in and played a small role in that as well, continuing to bring attention to the history and ultimately culminating in uh, a lot of different efforts, uh, popularizing the history, more baseball fans begin to discover the history, more people want to know much more about it, more people want to connect uh, their communities to the history, be it with the formal Negro Leagues or even just black baseball teams with their families and things like that. And at the end of the year, uh, we had Major League Baseball um, elevate certain leagues to what they call major league status, which brought a tremendous amount of attention to the history and especially the statistics. It's a very nuanced uh, situation with that, and we can go into more detail. But still, um, uh, in some corners it's, it's been exalted, in many other corners it's been seen as quite controversial. But still it brings great attention. And, and finally, although, again, on a... a a more somber note, as all of 2020 was very somber, we lost a number of key African-American ballplayers. We lost a number of just Hall of Fame ballplayers in general, but key African-American ballplayers, although not necessarily connected to the Negro Leagues, most of them, they were friends of the museum and uh, were, li were part of the lineage of the black athlete that comes out of the Negro Leagues, and that includes... Uh, uh, dear friends like Lou Brock from the, and Bob Gibson from the St. Louis Cardinals, Joe Morgan from the Cincinnati Reds, and the great Henry Aaron, uh, who was actually in 2021 when we lost him. And, may, and one more obscure one, maybe to some baseball fans, but someone who's dear to us, uh, is Charlie Pride, the great country singer. Because he started his his he actually started as a pitcher in the Negro Leagues in the late 50s, 
before going on to become a world-renowned country music singer. And he was someone who was a friend of the museum. And actually, all those men were friends of the museum. And we lost them last, uh, in the last year. All right. Well, we have a lot of things to talk about and questions to ask. So please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of our show referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Dr. Ray Doswell, Vice President of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and we're going to be talking about the history of baseball's Negro Leagues Revisited. Our history buffs for today's show are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. Ed, start us off. Thanks, Jay. Ray, can you tell us about the funding sources for the museum? I, my wife and I were there about 15 years ago, um, and we're really impressed with how, do, how well done the place was at that time. Um, and we obviously paid admission, but um, does that pay all the bills? Uh, no, it doesn't, uh, and we appreciate your visit. But it is part of of how we sustain ourselves. We do have admission, um, and that does include uh, discounts for seniors and large groups. Um, we haven't been accepting the groups, though, lately because of the uh, pandemic restrictions, but we're hoping to uh, be able to clear those restrictions up soon. So there's admissions. There's membership. We have many multiple levels of membership uh, that people can join uh, and support uh, with different premiums at each level. Uh, They're just normal donations that people can make as cash donations to the museum. And, And occasionally we will have special campaigns or special targets for donations. Uh, that people can make uh, as part of a specific campaign. Uh, We were very fortunate uh, during the pandemic that uh, many people were very generous to us uh, in the hopes of actually giving towards, for example, uh, monies that we could use later to supplement certain school groups once we start accepting school groups again so that those schools won't have to pay admission later. Uh, but probably one of the uh, among the larger sources that we have, we in a normal year we also do special events where we charge uh, admissions to uh, that can that includes concerts, uh, music festivals, as well as baseball related events where we might have celebrity guests come and these are fundraisers for the museum. Uh, we do event rentals in our space. 
uh, for people who have private events that want to rent the space as well. Uh, but perhaps uh, one of the more unique things that we have that other museums don't. I, I think it's fair to say that muse most museums have all those different levels of revenue stream, but one that we have that maybe some others don't is licensing. And licensing is that the museum owns uh, certain logos, marks, and names related to the Negro League's history of teams and things like that. And we're able to uh, take those marks uh, and sell them to companies that can make product from that. So your hats, your T-shirts, your blankets, your coffee mugs, mouse pads, uh, socks, all kinds of ink pens, all kinds of trinkets and things. Uh, and those companies pay a royalty to the museum, which is a percentage of their gross sales. Um, and then they sell those wholesale to different stores and vendors. So it's not just product that's sold here at the museum and sold all over the world. We have international licensees uh, in Japan and in Australia, as well as many domestic licensees, and they make a wide variety of product. Uh, and so those are sold at stores everywhere, as well as here in Kansas City. And then um, that sustains us. In some years, that's quite robust, and other years, not so robust, and it just depends sometimes on how well companies are doing. Okay, Terry. So that's that's that. Those are the majority of our revenue streams here at the museum. Yes, Ray, I I loved your website, your museum's website. It's so informative, and I noticed you have a wonderful section on education. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the outreach programs that your museum does for education, including the e museum for teachers? So the e museum for teachers is a website that was developed. Um, actually quite a few years ago in partnership with Kansas State University College of Education. The idea is that this is a portal primarily for teachers to use uh, in uh, implementing Negro League's content into their lessons with the hope that they would use it beyond, say, a Black History Month lesson, that they could find ways to, to uh, use these tools um, throughout the school year especially social studies teachers throughout the school year um, and, and and show the connections between the history as you're teaching, say, the American history survey, so to speak, um, from the late 1800s through the 1960s, the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement, which is what this history covers. Um, I will admit that site is going to probably be revamped uh, here soon to add more information or different information, but in the meantime, it is available. It includes clips of oral histories of some of the former players, timelines of the history as it relates to baseball and American history. Uh, it includes bibliographies and film lists as a resource for teachers, and it includes biographies of many players, which teachers can allow students to use as well. Teachers are the target audience for that site, but students can access that and just brief biographies from certain sources uh, that gives overview of some of the players' backgrounds and information. So um, there, there are very few uh, sites that actually have that detailed information on players. It has some listing of statistics, but it's not meant to be a statistical site. There are other sites that do that. Uh, but um, it does have some general biography on key players. It is not a complete list of players, but it's a pretty good start 
uh, a couple of hundred players are listed there, and, and and for any student or teacher trying to get resources to do some to start some research and implement some material on the Negro Leagues, that is a great place to start. All right, uh, Ray. Along those lines, when we talked twelve years ago, you talked about uh, wanting to create a research center at the museum. Um, I'm wondering whether that's occurred over the last 12 years, and if it has, uh, what kinds of things are being done there, and um, what kinds of results has it generated? Well, unfortunately, we have not been able to create that. We've had, unfortunately, several major setbacks with that, but it is still part of the plan. And the idea is to have a research and education center so that we can have, I guess, a nexus point for researchers and teachers across the country to be able to access uh, materials on Negro Leagues baseball. Um, well, a great model for us is the Giamatti Library at the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, uh, which is a beautiful place to visit. I love going there, but it takes a day and a half to get there sometimes, at least from the Midwest. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so our point of having a research center here in centrally located Kansas City, Missouri, which allow uh, for researchers and others to more easily get at baseball research, but primarily African-American baseball research, um, and still connect with libraries like Cooperstown and other universities uh, with resources, and then also have a lot of material that educators can come in and use and glean from. But we are a long way, unfortunately, from completing that project. Um, and and even after all these years, we're still quite a bit of ways from completing it. But I can update you in this way. Uh, our goal was to renovate a building here near the district uh, where we're located, and that is the old YMCA building on the Paseo Boulevard, which was in the 1920s called the Colored YMCA. It's significant to our history because that is the place where the the meeting to form the Negro National League was held in February of 1920. So it is historic as uh, the founding birthplace of Negro Leagues baseball. That's how we see it. Um, uh, the building is, is large and needs a lot of repair, and that's part of the reason why we've been delayed. Uh, and we had an unfortunate situation in that we had started uh, and completed some renovations, uh, but then uh, there was vandalism that caused damage to those renovations, and we have to start all over, unfortunately. Uh, but that's still the plan. It's going to be called the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center once complete. Uh, and we continue to work the plan, and hopefully we'll be able to have a, a place for folk to come and work very soon. Excellent. Ed. Um, Ray, can you tell us about the uh, process by which players from the old Negro Leagues are slowly finding their way into the baseball Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? So technically, there is no process, um, <laughs> and that's that's uh, it's not meant to be a flip answer, but let me explain. So um, there really isn't a detailed process for Negro League players to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame anymore. What the Hall of Fame does do is that they have special committees that they engage ever so often. Uh, it's not an annual thing. It's it's an occasional thing. Although they're starting to put it in what 
I guess you might describe as a bit of a schedule, if you will. Uh, and potentially Negro League players could fall into uh, a certain category of committee that would meet once every three or four years. Um, now, I should say, though, since we talked in um, in 2000, well, before we talked, like in 2006, there was a special committee that was convened specifically for the purpose of inducting Negro Leaguers. Uh, and uh, quite a few were chosen that year. Actually, 17 were chosen. And the point was hopefully to to kind of settle any dispute or debate about which Negro Leaguers were deserving. But, of course, obviously there are, there are players who were left out like Buck O'Neill and Minnie Minoso, among others, who many historians and fans in particular felt deserve greater consideration. So uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame is reconsidering uh, how they would uh, include uh, Negro Leaguers now or certain players now on whatever particular committees that they have available that will convene and vote over certain years. Um, I know Mr. O'Neill would have been considered last year on one of these committees, but that committee meeting was canceled due to COVID uh, at the end of last year. So they hope to reconvene at the end of 2021. So we'll see. Um, but they're, they're, I know that they are considering opening that process back up to a committee format and may reconsider some additional Negro League players. Yes. Um, Ray, you mentioned uh, Buck O'Neill, and I know that he is in one of your traveling exhibits, um, information about him. So for those school groups that are too far away uh, from Kansas City, can you talk about the traveling exhibits that you do have that can go out to other uh, schools? Well, we our, our exhibits don't really go out to schools. We try to send them actually to other museums okay. is our first priority and then occasionally libraries uh, and maybe ballparks depending on the facilities um, so they don't really go into schools per se but uh, we encourage the community obviously to make sure that young people get a chance to see these displays um, we have exhibits ranging from uh, fine art exhibits and the one that's that is very popular is called Shades of Greatness, uh, which is a uh, fine art that was inspired by Negro League's history. We got a group of artists, uh, taught them the history a bit, and then uh, had them use that as a muse for whatever medium they wanted to use. And that exhibit has gotten a great deal of attention and is highlighted by work uh, from illustrator Kadir Nelson. And uh, for folks who may know Nelson's work from more recently, The New Yorker. He does a lot of New Yorker magazine covers and uh, is really the top illustrator in our country right now. Uh, some would call him the modern Norman Rockwell. That's how prolific he is. But we knew him when he was younger, and he had a, a great interest in uh, in black baseball, still does, and is considered a friend of the museum. But we have at least two or three pieces of his work in that show, and it travels. Um, we have a general exhibit called uh, Discover Greatness, an illustrated history of the Negro Leagues, which was really technically the first museum because this is a photo exhibit that was put together many years ago, actually by going back to 1993, 
uh, and has traveled since 1995. It's actually currently in the Yogi Berra Museum in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. It's, <laughs> for lack of a better word, it's been stuck there due to the pandemic because <laughs> they've been closed and we haven't been able to ship it anyplace else. But they've been loving having it there and they've done some wonderful virtual and other programming with it. So it'll be there for just a little bit longer, but it's been there for almost two years now. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, but they're enjoying it, and uh, they will reopen here actually this weekend, so folks can go see it again live. Uh, but it's 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 a, a just a general history of the Negro Leagues, 90 frame black and white photographs of the history, and you, yes, and we do have a special exhibit on the life of Buck O'Neill, which was done for his 90th birthday at the time. Um, and it is available for travel, and it just chronicles his life and is based on his biography. Uh, I was right on time, uh, and and had been amended, of course, as he passed away in '06, and we were able to add information about that and and the great recognition he has gotten since his passing as well. Uh, and those are just three exhibits that we have, and we have a few other smaller displays that work well at ballparks and uh, in other places and we have others that are being built so um, there are opportunities for communities to rent these exhibits uh, and have them for you know up to four to eight weeks in a community uh, and um, they all seem to be very well received all right it is customary that we give our guests the last word on our show ray why do you think knowing about baseball's Negro Leagues is relevant in today's world? This is part of the American experience for African Americans. It is one way in which we can understand that African American experience. Um, and it seems to be a very good entree into understanding that, especially in these difficult times in America. Um, we may have our political differences in some respects not understanding each other socially but for the most part we like sports and we like to root or know about sports in our hometowns so for a lot of people who don't know about this history they come at it from the standpoint of being a sport fan and connecting to the history uh, and then they learn about these individuals and 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 the owners and the fans and how they connected and then more importantly they they learn about what they share in common a love of the game and a love of sport and can then translate that over to the challenges that African Americans face uh, with understanding that we're facing some of the same challenges today as we did uh, during the time of the Negro League. So it is an entree to discussing race and, 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 and life in American history. And it's something that you don't have to be African-American to embrace either. This is our history. This is everyone's history. We want you to learn it, understand it, and be able to share it. All right. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. 
This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 422nd show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zapp Zapital. My name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Ray Doswell, Vice President of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And we've been talking about the history of baseball's Negro Leagues Revisited. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotsa Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.